testing, testing. We are live. I'm just joking, guys. I, mean, I, I just wanted to find a way to give you a different opening for today. But welcome to Game Breakers, man. Your host, Edwin, once again on a Monday afternoon. It's time to dive into the sports. You know what time it is, man. Listen, if you can see my face and how happy I am, I would think you know why. Because my Arsenal, my Jets, won. And you know what that means. Victory Monday is sweeter than it has been before. Yo, can you believe? And let me just start off by saying that both the teams that we played on Sunday, both teams that we have struggled to beat in the past, I don't know how many years, four or five years, Arsenal haven't beat Liverpool since 2020. But even before that, haven't been Liverpool since whatever. We beat them on Sunday. The Jets have not beat the Dolphins since freaking the 13 to 6. I, I mean, no, no, that was a loss, actually. I'm bugging. Since the, I forgot how long. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. But we defeated our hoodoo on Sunday for both teams, and we got the job done. And I'm happy. So just stay tuned for that because I will talk about the, the film review of the study for the game and what happened and everything like that on Wednesday. We'll save that for Wednesday's episode. But for right now, though, let's talk about some football. Matt Rule is gone. Matt Rule is gone. He he is fired. As of today, he is gone. All right? And we saw this coming, actually. We, we, we really did. Matt Rule was probably the most hottest coach. And I'm not talking about his looks or anything like that. I mean, I, listen, I've seen him in person. I, I, on TV, that is. <laughs> I haven't seen him in person, but I've seen him, and I'm not going to talk about his looks. But anyways, as far as the hot seat is concerned, he is, or was, before he got fired, the most coach that was under pressure a lot of pressure that was going into this season and it's funny because this guy was brought in to be a culture guy right to change the culture to find ways to give the panthers a new identity on offense maybe defense a whole entire flip of an organization you know he you're going off of his previous records at temple and baylor and trying to rebuild those programs which he did but there's always questions about whether or not he could do that at a high level, whether or not he could do that for a franchise in the NFL at the moment in time. Now, we're going to get into the Panthers owner in general, David Temper, about how he envisioned what would happen for Matt Rule before he made this decision to fire him. But let's talk about Matt Rule. Matt Rule has been a utter disaster. Disaster in Carolina. Disaster. Guys, seriously, from a, a standpoint of looking on as a sports fan, I could just see that whatever he ran in college was too simple. Now, when you go to the NFL, it's much more complex, much more passing schemes, much more different tactics. And there has to be different route running to get your players open. And, you know, there was a, a, a quote by Chris Collinsworth where he said that he, he saw the offense from Baylor and Temple being more of an offense of letting guys go down deep, throwing the ball down deep. And you can see why he wanted to get a guy like Robbie Anderson. We, he got him in his second year, I believe. But there was not much route concepts, anything in the route tree to help these receivers out for the most part. The offense was in total shambles. I'm talking about in total shambles, guys. Let's look at his stats from the past three years, this year including. So he ranked in total offense in his first season, 2020, which Teddy Bridgewater, I believe, 21st. Passing game, 18th. Running game, 21st. All right. Now, Running game is, listen, he never had anything above 20th in total offense. I mean, in, in total running, rushing yards. Uh, 
per game in the season because of Christian McCaffrey's health and whatnot. So maybe that's a big issue to look at as also the fact that the offense line has been kind of reshuffling, hasn't been the best, has not been good at all. I mean, your first building block was IK and Kwanu, but he's been looking good this season and he's the first building block in his third season. So it's evident that they needed some pieces alongside the offensive line early and it never happened. But either way though, let's move on. Second year, it got worse. And this is the problem here too, right? We're going to get into this later, but it got worse. Total offense, 30th. Passing yards, 29th. Rushing game, again, 20th. Wasn't the best. This year, even worse, 32nd in total offense, 28th in passing, 27th in running game. Now, why does this matter? Why, why, why does all these statistics matter? I'll tell you why. Actually, let me go on. There's more. There's more, right? For this season, since the start of last – actually, no, we'll go back. Since the start of last season, yards per game, 31st. Yards per play, 32nd. Interception per attempt, 31st. First downs a game, 31st. Third down conversion rate, 32nd. Fourth down conversion rate, 29th. Points per game, 28th. This offense was atrocious. Was God terrible. Terrible. How did they win games? How did they even win five games a season? I don't even know how. Seriously, because the offense was garbage. Garbage. And that is due to coaching. It is. You know, you can say what you want about DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson not being a, a top 10 receiver duo, which they are not. Far from it, by the way. You know, I, I like DJ Moore. I think he's a nice receiver. I like Robbie Anderson from my days of New York Jets, right? He's a nice guy who can stretch the field, can get down deep. But these guys are not game breakers. These guys are not game changers for the most part. Not in my eyes. You know, um, it just comes down to a, a, a point of, listen, you have to do better at coaching a better game plan, giving your guys a better chance to win and succeed. And yes, I get it. He's had five different QBs from the start of coaching to now. Cam Newton, PJ Walker, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Donald, Baker Mayfield. I get it. So when you have that QB ring around the rosy, I can understand why there's no continuity, no chemistry within the team as far as just trying to win games and the chemistry that is needed to, to work out with your receivers. I mean, listen, every guy throws the ball differently. Every guy has different zips towards their passes. So you have to find ways to make sure that it's working out with you and your receivers, which it has not so far with any of the QBs. You know, they're pro probably the best QB was Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater was their best QB. <laughs> can you believe that? Out of all the QBs they've had, Teddy Bridgewater was their best QB because he was the most efficient, probably. And they looked more excited on offense than they did with any other QB, to be honest. You know, and the biggest thing is that now we go to David Temper, you know, right? He, he didn't envision the Panthers being 1-27 when a team scores 17 points. Can you believe that, guys? When a team scores 17 points in a game, the Panthers are 1-27. You are telling me that no matter how garbage you are on offense, if you get two TDs and a field goal, you basically have a chance to win the game, a 90% chance to win the game. Because this team folds. This team folds. I, I cannot believe that for the life of me. How is it that when your defense plays well, and regardless, regardless if they give up 17 points or not, 17 points is enough for the other team to win a game against you. That's embarrassing. Embarrassing. Now, David Temper, he has some blame to deal with this too. Because when you give... 
a coach who has no experience at the NFL level at all. He's coming straight from the college program. And you want to pick him as your candidate, your perfect candidate, because he has the tools to be a culture guy, right? You want to change the culture around. You want to build a new culture for the future. But don't you think that giving a seven-year contract was a bit much? A bit much? And I could tell David Temper did not do his research. Why? Because when you are picking coaches in general from college programs, they typically do not do well at all. Let's take a look at the coaches who have been hired directly from college since 2000. Matt Rule, obviously, he's gone. Cliff Kingsbury was probably one of the best, and he's not looking too good right now. I mean, he's looking one of the best because of the way he started last season, 11-0. But he finds a way to spiral out of control and not look the best later on as the season gets more important. And right now, take a guess. Is he doing well? Of course not. Bill O'Brien, Texans. 52 and 48 was one of the three head coaches who had a winning record. But let me ask you guys, was Bill O'Brien a good head coach? Was he a good GM or was that Deshaun Watson winning them games? I don't know. It's a question to be asked. But what I do know is that we had multiple questions of him and his decision-making when it came down to the later stages of his coaching career with the Texans, right? And him trading away DeAndre Hopkins for Duke Yo, I'm not even going to say it. Anyways, moving on. Chip Kelly, meh, meh, eh. Philadelphia Eagles, 26 and 21, eh. Doug Marone for the Buffalo Bills, 15 and 17, not good. Greg Schiano for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 11 and 21, no. Jim Harbaugh was probably the best coach coming out of college. Probably the best coach coming out of college. 44 and 19 and one, that is pretty good. Jim Harbaugh, listen, if he had a chance to come back to, to the NFL right now, he would probably get a job, if I'm being honest with you. He probably would, because he has a resume to back it up. Let's move on. Bobby Petrino, Atlanta Falcons, 3-10. and 10. Nick Saban, 15-17. and 17. Didn't work out. Steve Spurrier, Washington football team, 12-20. and 20. Butch Davis, Cleveland Browns, 24-35. and 35. Also, cannot forget about Urban Meyer last year. Very, very bad. Very, very bad. <laughs> so, I count. One, two, three. Two head, uh, two head coaches were meh, Bill O'Brien, Chip Kelly, who had over a 500 winning record, and John Harbaugh. I'm sorry, not, sorry, Jim Harbaugh, sorry. But the point is, is that coaches from college don't typically do well at all. So when you make that decision, David Temper, to get a guy from college, and you are committed to the idea of trying to build a culture, which he was, you can see that he was, giving him a seven-year contract, that was insane, you want to see progress, right? You want to see something change from year in to year out. But it didn't work out. Didn't work out. And I'm not sure what the, the big drastic difference, the, the big uh, drastic difference between college and NFL, but it's a big difference now, according to what we've seen in the past. Big difference. Why? Because you could take a coordinator, right? Brian Dayball, a coordinator from the Buffalo Bills, and put him with the Giants, the New York Giants, and they are now 4-1. Right, and you could take a guy who has been proven at the college level, collegiate level, in Matt Rule to come in and try and change around your franchise, and he looks terrible. And it was in his, he looked terrible every year, he didn't look good one year. Brian Dayball, despite what the season may bring for the future, looks good so far for the Giants, you know. But the biggest thing is we want to see progress, right? I'm sure that. 
temper would have given him more time if we saw some progress being made as far as just coaching as well, coaching scheme, coaching tactics in general. Because there's no way why you should, you should have. I get it. No running game. Not a great offensive line. Bottom line, terrible in the NFL. Bottom five, probably. But, and also, by the way, you, you have a, a, a ring around the rosy with QBs at your disposal. I get all that. But what I don't get is that there seems to be no game plan. Nothing downfield. There seems to be nothing that is QB friendly. Any scheme that helps your offensive line block better, you know, look competent at least. Nothing downfield. And maybe they only look competent because they had Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. But any other running back would have been downright average, blow average because of who he has in front of them. Not a shot to these guys and their character, but because they're not that good is the, is the reason why he probably got fired as well too, you know? So you look at his entire coaching resume so far in the NFL, it has been bad every year. You cannot get worse every year. And by the way, you know, you want to see progress as a head coach, right? Robert Sala, and I don't want to make comparisons because he's not a guy that comes from the college system. He's a guy that comes from the Niners from last year, right? But Or two years ago, sorry. But you see that last year we were terrible on defense. Terrible. Ah! Ah, it was disgusting to look at. Disgusting. Yo, I watched every game last year for the New York Jets. And the way these people pushed us around up front, the way these guys picked us apart in the secondary was disgusting to watch. And I, I, I didn't want to be too judgmental because it was a young squad, and that's what he chose to do. He wanted to go with the young squad. So all power to you. But I'm saying this all to say that this year we look so improved, and you can't really get worse than what we did last year. I get that. But this year we looked much improved on defense. And, yes, we've played a couple of lackluster offenses here and there, but – Cannot deny the numbers. And so far, we're top 10. You know, so I'm going to keep on saying that we are top 10 despite the, the competition that we played in the past. But either way, though, you see that change. You see that growth. And I'm not going to say the Panthers did a, a great job of getting talent to really help out Matt Rule's case. But you can see the different coaching from Robert Salah's team as opposed to Matt Rule's team. And so far, they look they have looked bad. Look bad, okay? And by the way, they tried, right? They tried to make runs at Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson. And you can see that Matt Rule knew himself that he needed an answer at QB because the longer he would wait, it would be bad. It would get down. It would, it, it would, it would be an <laughs> exemplifier of what's going to happen for him in the, in the future. Like, it would, it would enhance his chances of getting fired because he made a mistake of getting Sam Donald, right? He thought that Sam Donald would be the, the key to his offense to be unlocked. Why? Because we made all these accusations about Sam Donald not being the QB for the Jets because of the talent around him. So he maybe needs a new start. Fine. First three games of last year, he looked good. Good enough, right? Panthers were rolling, rolling. 3-0 start, looked good. Running game was okay. Defense was playing really good. And what happened? They ended up winning two more games that year. After starting off 3-0. What? What is that? Seriously? So this is what I'm talking about here, guys. When it, when it comes down to, like, you can't have so much time in the NFL because we have to see at least some progress. We have to see something along the lines of our team, our players looking better in the system. And so far, 
through three years, including this year at least, in four games at least, they have not looked great at all. Not looked good. Not looked competent. It has it has been utterly bad to watch Carolina football. It has been. So this needed to happen, and I'm glad it did happen. And by the way, they also did fire their defensive coordinator too. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Oh yes, yeah, Phil Snow. Phil Snow. Now that to me was kind of surprising because, I mean, yeah, the defense has not looked the best, but last year they were ranked second in total yards giving up. So. I thought that would have warranted him, you know, some time to at least stay with the team, maybe, because it is only two years. And, yeah, it was a big step taken back. He did lose some defensive players. Hassan Redick is one of them, you know. He did lose some guys here and there. But I could see why they fired him, though, because dropping from top 10, top 5 to 20th, that's a big drop-off. No matter who you play, that's a big drop-off, all right? Maybe you could say top 10 – Maybe top 15, but you were second last year. <laughs> you were second last year. And maybe that had to do with the talent that they were facing on a weekend basis. But, you know, it's not it's not the best. It's not the best at all. So Matt Rule is gone, deservedly so, because I don't know what we were watching. They had no way of moving the football, no way of scoring points, no way of winning games. If you give up 17 points that game, they lost. That's not good enough at all. That's not good enough. No coaching scheme. Nothing to help out his players. Baker Mayfield looked trash again. He has a 71.3 QBR this season. That's bottom five worst. Bottom five worst. You know, and these guys were desperate. You can see how desperate they were to trade for Sam Darnold. He's on a big contract. He's now staying with the team. Baker Mayfield taking on his salary just to get some QB competition. Like, it, it has not been working out. P.J. Walker has a backup. Teddy Bridgewater last year, or two years ago, sorry. Didn't work out. Cam Newton, after people never gave him a chance, Cam Newton came back for a game, one-on-one game against the Cardinals, and then after that, it was down right back to earth again. You know? So these guys were desperate. They were desperate. But I must say, though, Matt Rule didn't show me anything, anything in the past three seasons, two seasons, I guess you could say, that led me to believe that he is the right guy to move this team forward. You know, and it goes to show you that college is up here. NFL is up, up here. Oh, like way up here. You know, the different schemes is just totally different. There's a reason, guys, as to why some of these players come out of college and they struggle with the playbook. Why? Because it's too complex. It's way too complex. You know, even these guys who are NFL ready, quote unquote, from Alabama and Clemson and all these different play like different colleges and whatnot, Ohio State, bro, it's still a big difference. It's a big difference. And you have to give these young players some credit for being the stars and the studs that they become in their first year sometimes. Because what? It is so hard. So very hard. So very hard. Especially when you don't you don't play in a in a, a power conference, a great conference that is NFL ready, it is tough, which is why coaching comes into play. That's why coaching is very important. Why? Because no matter how bad the Panthers looked in the past couple of years, they could have won a couple more games if the coaching was better, if it was there. No matter how bad the QB was, he could have been more efficient depending on the place, the play calling, the, the play schemes and whatnot. Joe Brady was fired last year. Middle of the, middle of the season, he was fired. Like what? How do you fire your offensive coordinator in the in the middle of the season? That's crazy. Think about that. 
we are running one offense <laughs> for the first eight games. And then when it gets to the middle of the season, we are changing the entirety of the offense because it's not working out. Damn. Damn. <laughs> like crazy when you think about it. Bacon Mayfield, not the answer. Sam Donald, not the answer. PJ Walker, for sure not the answer. Like, it has not been working out at all, man. It has not been working out. And I'm surprised. But my early prediction for who gets fired next, Cliff Kingsbury. Because you can see, once again, another college coach who is not doing the best. And by the way, Cliff, for me, I'm going to say, like, I thought that he was a a top 10 head coach. I really did. Why? Because I just look at it as he's had a couple of breaks that have not gone his way with the injuries, the suspensions, and, you know, the team itself is not the best. It's better than the freaking, you know, Panthers in general. But it's not the best as far as competing for the big boys. But they still look competent, though. They still do look competent. So he has some time. He, he, he probably will maybe get fired depending on how things go, but he has some time because they're not looking terrible. Like they're not, they're bad, but they're not terrible. The Panthers were terrible. You know, they're still winning games. They came back from a 20 point deficit to win on the road against the Vegas Raiders. They're still winning games somehow. You know, last year started off 11 and 0, but they, they, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is not looking good because every year he spirals out. And at least for this season, Matt Rule, it took him. Only four games to spiral out again. <laughs> four games to spiral out and be fired. Anyways, moving on. Let's talk about some Monday Night Football. Chiefs and the Raiders. Who do I have? The Chiefs, obviously. Why? Because when you look at that matchup, okay, and two things, right? It comes down to who's the better team and where the game's being played. When you go to Airhead Stadium, and I get it. We all can talk about that that one-off win for the Raiders a couple of years ago. Was it last year? I forgot what, it, what, what year it was, but doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We, we all know that Arrowhead Stadium is a place of magic, full of dreams and wonders. That when you go there, magical things happen. For the Chiefs, not for your team. For the, for the Chiefs. <laughs> all right? That's one. And two, the Chiefs are a better team overall. Raiders got a good win last week against the Broncos, the low-life Broncos. But not convincing enough for me to believe that they're going to come into Arrowhead Stadium and make some big plays in the game to win it. Of course not. The Chiefs have one thing going for them, which I never saw coming, the running game. The running game, guys. We know that in the past couple of seasons that they have not been able to lean on the running game enough to keep the whole entire offensive playbook open, right? But last year we saw some spurts of them running the football. This year they are making an emphasis to run the football much better, much better. Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, McKinnon sometimes here and there, like they are running the football. And it's working. And it's working. And it's working. All right? So the Raiders have no chance. No chance of that. Raiders Raiders are not that great at stopping the run anyway. But they have no chance. Okay? That's one. Two, we talk about the Tyreek Hill experiment of him being gone. Well, it has pretty much worked out to their best of the ability, right? Because... Patrick Mahomes is finding ways to get every receiver involved. Every receiver involved. That's 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 great. You don't know who is going to be the game plan of the night, which is great for them. Okay? Two. Well, that, that was two. Three. Three. Pat Mahomes is simply being efficient and taking care of the football, one. And two also, 2A, I guess you could say. He is taking what the defense gives him. Now, the Raiders defense will pull some uh, – you know, openings inside that defense to give him chances to 
throw the ball down deep because the secondary is not the best. It's not the greatest. You know, it's not it's not to be bragged about. I think there will be some opportunities downfield to throw the ball and to get some big chunk yardage plays. Definitely, yes, indeed. But their biggest thing is, can they put enough pressure on the QB? Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, these guys who are paid big money. Yeah, like where have you guys been the entire season? I mean, I'm sure there has been some game plans to stop these guys anyway. I get that. But when it comes down to this big game, it is a big game, division game, on the road. You want to be able to get pressure on the opposing QB. So I will see exactly how that works out. But for the Raiders' standpoint on offense, I'm I'm worried about them. I, I really am. Because, yes, you ran the ball against the, the Broncos last week, which is very surprising. I didn't expect that at all. But what is also very surprising is that the Chiefs have a good – way of stopping the run because when you give up only three yards negative no no negative three yards last week against brady and lenny playoff lenny and the buccaneers who want to make an emphasis of running the football and you give up only three yards negative three yards that's that's insane that's insane and maybe that was due to game plan because sometimes you know when you have the game for that early on in the in the game itself you have to find a way to throw the ball, right? I get it. But either way, though, they had no chance. No chance. Raiders are not terrible at stopping the run. But will they have any success at running the football tonight? Probably not. Not in a way that it's going to be enough for them. I don't I don't know. I can see Josh Jacobs having a decent game. Maybe like uh, 14, 15 carries for about, uh, you know, 68 yards. But that's not good enough. It's not. Now, there will be no answer for Devontae Adams, but I wonder. That's that's their only way of winning the game, throwing the football down their throats, you know, like getting Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller involved a lot, right? That's how you do it. Their car last, last week was not that good, played pretty bad. It's probably his worst game of the season so far. You know, throwing under 200 yards, it wasn't the good. It wasn't the best. But the only way to win tonight is to throw the football and to get a lot of these passing concepts of trying to get Hunter Renfro in space. He has been a guy that has not been getting the football a lot this season. And when it comes down to the third and manageables, third down situations, yes, you have Adams on your team, but we know that Mr. Third Down was Hunter Renfro last season. So you got to get ways of trying to get him in football, like get him involved more. Because at some point in time, when we're force-feeding Devontae Adams, and yes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But when we're force-feeding Devontae Adams – we have to find a different game plan when they're stopping us, you know, a different game plan to keep us dangerous, keep us honest. Because at some point in time, I think that the, the chiefs are, are too smart of a team. Ryan Spagnola is too smart of a defensive coordinator to let Devontae Adams beat him by himself. Of course not. He's not going to let that happen. What? No, of course not. So with that being said, use your other monsters on your team. Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs out the backfield, Hunter Renfro, Oh, forget about Matt Collins, too. The guy who's 6'4", that can pretty much go up and get any jump ball, possibly. He, he's there. He is very serviceable, too. So, yes, make an emphasis to get these guys to football early and on, and that's the way you guys should probably win this game. But, yeah, once again, I'll go over a scoreline of 34-17 uh, for this game for the Chiefs to win at home. Uh, we'll take the spread on that one, too, by the way. All right, moving on. Let's dive into some basketball. So, Paul George talked about his 
you know, role with the team and what he is to Kawhi Leonard. And I thought it was actually pretty interesting because he compared himself to Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. And he said that, and I quote, yeah, look at the Miami Heat, wing, wing, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, George said. Um, basically, I think it just comes down to, listen, Kawhi is number one, number one option, obviously. And I am totally fine with that. I think I try to compliment him with being able to take the load off of him. Everybody says Kawhi and I, or Kawhi and you, sorry, are one and one or one A and one B. I publicly say the two. Kawhi is the, the one, I'm the two. So that part we nipped in the butt. Like there's no ego when it comes to that. Now, why is this so important? Because one, when you look at the, the Clippers this year, they are stacked. They are loaded this year, right? This is going to be another good team for the Clippers to come back in and sort of cement themselves in the Western Conference. But I'm sure you already knew this anyway, but when you have him publicly come out and say that he doesn't mind being the number two option on the team where he knows that it needs to be led by Kawhi Leonard to have any chance of of making the finals, making the Western Conference finals, Kawhi Leonard, you know? So he's going to be a big part. But Paul George, play within your role, and you will be a big part as well too. We, we all know that Paul George and Leonard need to have big games in big games, big performances in big games for them to have any chance of winning the game. But what we do know is that there needs to be no uh, feeling of selfishness on the team, no feeling of letting a guy score when you know when you play with well within your role. And this is why it worked out so well with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James because Dwayne Wade knew that for us to win any type of championship, LeBron needs to be himself and I need to be myself when it comes to complimenting him and getting the buckets that are needed to help us stay within the game. Because we know that LeBron James, even though he can do it by himself, doesn't need to do it all by himself. Kawhi Leonard definitely can, or when he was healthy, could do it all by himself. Toronto Raptors, quote-unquote, right? But he doesn't need to do it all by himself because he has Paul George on his team, Norman Powell on his team, you know, who, who should come back from injury. Um, these other guys, too, Terrence Mann. Mark, Marcus Morris, these guys are important, very important. You know, the bench is looking good too, by the way. So I like it. I like the whole entire mentality. I do believe that when it comes down to everything being said and done, the Clippers will be a top four team the, in the Western Conference this year. That's one and two. Look at for them to actually erase the narrative about them not finishing games, uh, load management, you know, and any big moments that they have crumbled in in the past. 2020 bubble, I don't think they're going to crumble this time around. I, I don't. Now, whether or not they will be my pick to make it out the Western Conference is a different story, but it's going to come down to if they lose these games, it's going to only come down to the other team playing much better, not because they crumbled. Because the last couple of years have been lackluster for me as far as expectations is concerned. Last year, they made it to the Western Conference Finals. No, two years ago, sorry. Western Conference Finals, right? Didn't work out. Kawhi Leonard was injured. Paul George was the only one there carrying the whole entire lineup. Didn't work out. Year before that, both of these guys blew a 3-1 lead. Both of these guys, the whole entire team, blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. So, yeah, they have really undermined. <laughs> they have been undermined, underwhelming as far as just trying to win a championship and bringing it back to the Clippers city. <laughs> the Clippers city, which is the Los Angeles Lakers city, whatever that means. But... We want to see exactly these guys perform in big-time moments. 
And when you have the cohesion that we are seeing from Paul George and what he's saying with his words, that bodes well for them in the future as far as just winning games and being on the same page. When they're on the same page, then we can look forward to them playing better as a unit. And this might be the best year. I, I think this, this will be the best year, definitely. As far as them and, you know, their expectations and going far and making a big, a big playoff run, a deep playoff run on that too, and just playing better. Now, injuries are going to play a role in that, but assuming they both stay healthy, it's definitely a shot for them to make it out the Western Conference. Definitely a shot. So we'll see what happens. But anyways, guys, yes, it's a short podcast episode this time around. It is what it is, but... Still, doesn't matter. Keep on going with the flow. Keep on doing what you do. Keep on supporting the, the brand. Game Breakers, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm just joking. I'm not, no, no Facebook, no Facebook. Uh, <laughs> but keep on supporting my guys and demand them out here, man. Myself and Will do a good job. And, you know, stay tuned for Wednesday's episode where we can talk about the games in depth. I definitely have to do some film review and look at these games more in depth to make sure that I get everything right on Wednesday's episode. But it will be something. Just just stay tuned for that. It will be something. I cannot wait. Can't wait for that. All right, everyone, enjoy the rest of your day, and we are out.